Welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, I'm very excited. Uh, This man's work uh, I followed over many years. I even got a chance to meet him in person quite a few years ago. Well, about four years ago in Milton Keynes at a convention. And he was probably one of the nicest men I've ever met. It's, of course, William Sadler. William, welcome to the show. Can I call you Bill? Yes. Yes, of course. Excellent. Excellent. Um, how are you? How is everything at the moment uh, where you are? I mean, whereabouts are you at the moment? Um, I'm an, I, I live about 70 miles north of New York City, up in the Hudson River Valley, um, near Poughkeepsie, New York, Millbrook area. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's beautiful. I mean, the weather is changing. It's getting cold. Um, we just had a great election. <laughs> do you know what <laughs> if they don't <laughs> i don't want to get into politics but, yeah but, but i tell but, you what the, for the entertainment but, value um over in the uk it's it's madness but the world is madness at the moment it really just, is they must just laugh at us they must you guys must just like shake your well, heads and oh my well, goodness we have got our own problems as well so <laughs> with our government indeed, indeed. <laughs> But, but uh, we're, doing, yeah, we're doing okay. I mean, good. everybody's staying safe and healthy. And good, good, yeah. good. I'm glad to hear. Um, so let's talk a bit about you, Bill. Um, a bit about um, how you started, and then I want to talk about a few uh, projects you've been involved with, uh, which are my two favourite of all time. So you're born uh, in Buffalo, New York. Is yes. that correct? Please correct me if I'm wrong because (laughs) you know my research you never know what's what what's going to pop up and when you're growing up you had a nickname banjo bill sadler is that correct that's correct that's and i presume that you know involves a banjo because i played the banjo and told joe i did stand up for a while in high school um and i played the banjo and told jokes these terrible corny awful jokes um but it went over big. It was great. I was, uh, you know, it was a hit at the high school variety show. And I did Christmas parties and fire hall Christmases. And um, and then I discovered acting. I mean, that was, and and, and the, the, as soon as I discovered acting, it was like the, it, it, the, the writing got so much better and the doors just started to open that, um, it was clear that was the, that was the better direction than stand up. Yeah, because I was going to say we've seen you in countless movies and TV shows. Um, you know, too many to mention, and um, you know we could be here for hours upon hours. But yeah, why <laughs> acting though? Why that profession? Was it the fact that you wanted to be a, an entertainer? Is that what was, you know, going through your veins? I don't know. I was in a garage band. I was in a folk band. I was doing stand up. I guess I was trying to get on stage. Um, but I also spent my whole childhood on, I grew up on a farm outside of Buffalo in a town called Orchard Park. And, and a tremendous portion of my childhood was spent 
um, making up these stories and acting out scenarios with my friends or, you know, dive out of the hayloft with our BB guns and come up shooting and get captured by the Germans and then escape. <laughs> and then, you know, it was like, but these things went on forever and ever where they went on all day until mom called us in for lunch. Um, it was, it's funny. It was in, I sometimes feel like I've, I've been rehearsing for this career since I was about 10. Um, in fact, in Die Hard 2, there's a, there's a, there's a moment when uh, Colonel Stewart is, and his guys are around the nose of a plane and Bruce Willis is in the plane and we all empty our automatic weapons at the plane then throw grenades and he escapes by zooming up through the roof. Um, and, and after the first take, the uh, sound man, Tim Cooney came over to me and said, uh, he just took me aside and he said, Bill, you don't have to make that sound with your mouth anymore. Because <laughs> I, I was, apparently I was going, <laughs> you know, I was still, I was still 10 years old uh, <laughs> running around the barn. Um, it's uh, old habits die hard. But, <laughs> die hard, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good. But, uh, but that's but that's what I mean. I sort of feel like I spent I spent a huge part of my childhood practicing to do this to do this thing. So when the opportunity, you know, when I I found when I found the theater, when I started to find these plays, and the writing was so extraordinary. Um, I mean, the Chekhovs and the um, the second play I ever did was called The Subject Was Roses, was a Pulitzer Prize winning drama mm. that launched Martin Sheen's career. And I just was like, I, I was blown away. I was it's just gobsmacked. Um, and uh, that, you know, that I, I felt like I, I was finally doing what I was supposed to be doing. You know? Wow. And, and 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 look at you now. Um, so as as you was um, you know making your way through Hollywood, making your way across all all these stages, what was the most what was the most challenging for you at making it? You know what 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 challenge challenges did you face? I think the the one of the toughest things that um, I did theater for the first maybe 11 years or so of my career. It was all in New York, um, off, off Broadway and off Broadway and a year and a half on Broadway and regional theaters all over the place. Um, the shape, New York Shakespeare Festival in New York. I worked there again and again. The biggest, the biggest hurdle wasn't, it, once I arrived in New York, I started working and work and it's a small community, you know, um, what what was difficult was making the leap to Los Angeles um, because uh, they, you know, I didn't have any film on myself. I had done, you know, I had all these, I had all this chops and this experience and I uh, was kind of a seasoned actor already. Mm. Um, but I hadn't worked in front of a camera and it, um, 
making that transition, I think, was the most difficult because they, you know, it doesn't mean anything in L.A. that you were on Broadway or, mm. or you went or you studied acting and, you know, wherever you studied acting, they don't, they just don't care. It's like, it's like, <laughs> well, let me, let me see your reel, you know. And what um, was LA like when you got there for the first time? Because many say it's, <laughs> it, the streets are paved with gold, but what was LA really like back then? I, well, I was driving a, I was driving a really beat up overheating Ford Galaxy 500. And I actually got to LA by doing a season of plays at the La Jolla Playhouse, which is down the coast. And every Monday on my day off, I would drive up to Los Angeles and um, knock on doors and try to, you know, <laughs> try to get agents interested in coming down and seeing the show or, you know, um, it was, uh, LA was, I don't know. LA was frightening. It felt like another planet. It really, mm. you know, like my wife said, it's, there are five good bookstores and 10,000 places to get your nails done. <laughs> <laughs> she's a new, she's a New Yorker. She was not interested in moving to LA. Um, and finally, uh, out of this, uh, the last Broadway show that I did in New York with Matthew Broderick, the next movie that he did was Project X and they cast me as the bad guy in Project X. Yeah. And, and it's sort of, you know, then, from there. well, then I, yeah, then I had something agents could talk about. Um, and we, you know, went on from there. Um, so when we're talking about obviously getting parts and, uh, uh, you know, uh, how, how do you choose your roles? You know, you know, has it changed from when you started your career to, to now? These, these days things generally get offered to me. Um, I still, I still audition from time to time. Um, I think that's just a comfort thing for the directors, uh, you know, because, <laughs> because there are very few people that don't know who I am or what I've, you know, what I've been, what I look like, what I've done. Um, how do you choose the roles? I get excited about, I get excited about the writing. Um, it, it's funny, you can, um, if the writing is good, if the, if the writing is, is truthful about us humans, then things just automatically, as I read it, emotions start to pop up by themselves. I mean, it requires no cooking at all. Mm. You know, it's just, you don't have to fake anything. Um, the, the words, the words carry the, the import and the, and the emotion, uh, as opposed to bad writing where you have to work your ass off to make it <laughs> look like good writing. Um, <laughs> which also happens. Um, I don't know. Some of them, you know, some jobs you do for money and some you do for love and some you do for, um, you know, because you've always wanted to work with uh, this director or, you know, it sounds like, I just did one called VFW. It was, oh, it was, awesome movie. Awesome movie. You. 
thank you. It was, yeah. a, it was done, it was done yeah. for a dollar ninety eight. We shot it in eighteen days. But what was really fun about it was that group of actors that uh, oh, you know yeah. to to get that group of guys together and put them in the Alamo fighting for their lives was just a it was too fun to turn down it was really that was it was just a gas and and you know. and and you know what you were amazing amazing in that movie but can i just say if anyone injures themselves you shouldn't give first aid <laughs> because it was a scene with gaffer tape that you or or duct tape oh. as you, you you would say oh, really? and you tape. was wrapping it around and i was thinking my word uh, but yeah, what a cast! I mean, so so many recognisable faces, and right, it was right. just it it just looked so so, so much fun to film. Um, that, and it was that's great. what it well that's what it was. We were we were it, it was funny. They had this the cast chairs were in the room next to that bar, and we would sit in a circle, and the stories would we just tell war stories and they would go around and around and around. We'd all worked with each other. I'd worked with Marty Cove before on some Martian TV show. And I worked with Steve Lang a couple of times, Shakespeare in the park. And, and he was in uh, project X uh, with me. I did a musical on, I did a musical, an off Broadway musical with David Patrick Kelly. Um, <laughs> So it was, it was, so, so when we were playing vet, we were playing guys that had known, we're playing guys that had known each other for decades and decades. Um, so there was this, just this sort of natural love and respect and uh, you it made it easy. I think, I think it makes the audience care about you. Yeah, you know, definitely. you care about these guys as, so as they're getting killed off, you're like, oh, oh, shit. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, especially oh, I, yours. I hope they don't get him. What? <laughs> yeah, especially especially you, because but, but do you know what? That you you, you went out, a, you know, a hero. You really did. <laughs> and um, what they did to you, I don't want to ruin it for anyone that 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 wants 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 to watch it. But it looked awesome. It really did. Effect. And um, yeah, real Practical hero effects. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was very. It was. It was very old school in that way. Yeah, you know, it had. Was it, re, it had real that blood, feel. You know, real. Yeah, there were practical effects. Everything was. I don't think. I don't think anything was done with the computer. You know. Yeah. If we if we spattered the wall, we spattered the wall. <laughs> and and it, yeah, you definitely splattered the wall. There's a lot of blood in that movie, uh, but it's fan, fan, fantastic. But let's talk about one of your most most recent uh, projects, which anyone my age, I think, got excited about when it got announced, which was Bill and Ted. Ah. Which um, you know, for for me, being younger and and watching the two other mo mo movies, and then finding out that Bill and Ted faced faced the music was coming was being made and then we uh, find out that you make a return in it as death and you come back um, <laughs> how was it 30 years later to redon that costume and that makeup i was i was really surprised at how how quickly the character just came back uh, the, it was it was as if i've had him bottled up for 30 years and pulled the cork out <laughs> and the Grim Reaper just spewed all over the set. I couldn't shut him up. He's ad-libbing left and right. Um, 
the, the makeup and the, the makeup is, you know, that it, it, it's not, I don't know if you've ever sat through three hours of makeup, but it's not, yeah. you know, it, it, that wasn't, that's not fun. Um, and the, and the robes are felt a lot heavier this time around. I, I think I was 40 when we shot it the first time. And, um, but, you know, but that aside, <laughs> um, it was, it was just, it was just the most fun you can have with your clothes on to, to get back on the set with Alex and Keanu and, and in that character and visit that world again yeah. was, was just, uh, it was great. It was really, it was really, really, really fun. And there was, and I've loved hearing the response, uh, you know, people, yeah. it seems like a really great, and you know, it's sort of, if you look at the three movies as a, as a group, Trilogy, yeah. it has a, it has a nice rounded end now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how much of that character did you, I mean, was the way that you played death, you know, your decision or did they ask you to play it that, that, that way? How much input did you have on, you know, how he was? <laughs> I think, I think I, well, I, I brought the accent. They, they didn't want me to do an accent in the first one. And actually, when I was auditioning for the first one, they said, oh, maybe you shouldn't. I, I asked, I told them I want to, I auditioned for it. And, and I did the Czechoslovakian accent was like that. And they, um, and they, it was funny. And I did, I did the accent because it was, because it was funny because it was silly to hear someone struggling with grammar and, you know, he could read the phone book and you'd, and you'd be giggling. <laughs> um, and um, so I, I, I guess I brought, I brought some of that. The, the original bogus journey script, uh, he, he, he challenged, it's designed so that he's, dangerous and scary when you first meet him. Um, I mean, he's death and they're, and they've been murdered and, you know, he's supposed to be frightening. And then when they start playing the games he <laughs> and he's losing and losing and losing, he starts falling apart. And that's all in the script that he becomes this petulant, um, you know, best three out of five and, and, you know, you must play me again and so on. So the, it was, I, it's hard to know what I brought to it and what, and what was on the yeah. page. Um, the Reaper rap I wrote, that little, that little, you might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the Reaper. That they had a rap in there, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make sense of it. So I asked him if I could write something, and that's what I wrote. That is um, awesome. But it's, yeah, it was, it was. It was also it was really lovely to be uh, a part of the creative process as well. You know, yeah. In Bogus Journey, for, just for example, when I say I couldn't turn him off, once I turned this, once I got into this guy's character, it was hard to turn him off. Um, we were shooting in the. We were shooting at night in a hardware store, putting together the good, good robots. And, uh, and I, I said to the director, 
Pete Hewitt. I said, the, wouldn't it be great if we, if, if there was some guy standing there smoking in the store and the Reaper walks by him and says, see you real soon. <laughs> and, and the guy goes <laughs> and puts it out. He, he thought it was great. He, we didn't have an actor to play it. So he said, just bring the camera. That's Pete Hewitt. Uh, the That's smoker. Awesome. That's the director. He just <laughs> said, "Bring the camera over here," and we shot it. And it took two two minutes, you know. But it was this. But it was a really fun collaboration. It was, you know. Anyway, so I had a I had a ball, and I was very happy to be part of the third one. And going from a great character, happy character that's brought plenty of smiles to, to Colonel Stewart. Um, who I've got to say is probably one of the best villains uh, our screen has, has seen. Um, so Die Hard 2, which actually grossed um, nearly double what what the original did, which I think is awesome, which obviously shows... Right? Yeah, so it, yeah, my information, it outgrossed the original by nearly double, um, which is good for you because <laughs> you were the villain it's, in it. <laughs> But apparently you you auditioned again. I don't know if this is correct, but you auditioned and they told you you was too young. And then you went away and and re-auditioned. Is that correct? That was for the, that was the Bill and Ted audition. I, oh. I went in and I, a bogus journey audition. I, I did the audition with the accent and all. And then about three weeks later, they, they called me and said, you have to come and go to a, a Halloween store and put some gray in your hair and because uh -huh. they think they think you're too young um and <laughs> so I, and so that is definitely not die hard too <laughs> no die hard no die hard too the um i auditioned i i read with i read with bruce and um and rennie harlan and joel silver the the four of us were in the room and uh i guess I guess I was scary enough. Um, I have to say, uh, following, um, um, well, his name is escaping me now. The first villain, uh, Rick, um, Rick, Alan Rickman. Yeah. Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> that was daunting. Cause I loved the first movie. I thought the first, I thought the first Die Hard was killer. It just yeah. rocked me. <laughs> <laughs> and he especially was so smarmy and fun and evil mother just what a tasty villain he played and uh and then to to you know to be the you have to now be the the villain in the first sequel you know the the um so I felt I felt a certain amount of pressure because Alan Rickman was just brilliant. Just I, and they had written a completely different character for for Colonel Stewart. You know, he's ice, just ice cold. Um, whatever humor he's got is just uh, diabolical. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? And, what a way to. Um to introduce a character though, because apparently it was Rennie Harlan's idea to have Colonel, Colonel Stewart doing the old Tai Chi uh, naked yeah. at the beginning. And uh, that... how, how, how did you feel about that doing that scene? Well, I was, 
that was terrifying. <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever been naked in a, a summer blockbuster, but no. <laughs> a, a lot of people are going to see this damn thing, and I didn't want to. I f- I found out about it at the costume fitting. To be, I mean, that's that's actually the way that it happened. He's not naked in the script that I said yes to. <laughs> um, I got to the costume fitting, and we tried on everything. And Rennie was the director was there, Rennie Harlan. And we got finished, and I said, "What is, what's he wearing for the hotel room scene?" Because there was no, they, had, they had nothing. And, and Rennie said. Well, Bill, actually, I was thinking you would be nude. And, and I was like, I, th- I thought about it for a minute. And then I said, all right, you push that scene off to the end of the movie and get me a trainer and get me in the gym and I'll, I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's what they did. And I spent the next I think they pushed it off for six weeks or six, eight weeks, something like that. That's all the time I had to go from (laughs) costume (laughs) fitting to um, we're shooting the Tai Chi scene today. Um, And I just, you know, I I just didn't want to, I knew it was going to be seen by everybody in the world. And I just didn't want to watch it when I was 60 and think... Geez, I wish I'd <laughs> wish I'd done a couple sit-ups. You know, look at that flabby butt. <laughs> no, it's an awesome scene. Do you know what? I've just I've just just got an image of you going into costume, and it being an em- em- empty uh, clothes clothes no, hanger with just nothing. like a tag on it, <laughs> just saying <laughs> scene whatever. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, 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 so you trained a lot in karate and tai chi, did you, for the part? Because obviously, yes. it's very physical. Yeah, yeah. They well, they put they put me into a training regime with um, Benny the Jet, Benny Akitas, who was the kickboxing champion of the world um, at the time. Uh, and it was great. You know, it was it was great. It was in the best shape of my life, I guess. But it was. Um, <laughs> and it's also, I think, a, uh, it's kind of a terrifying way to introduce a character because you, because you it, it's shocking, first of all. You're not expecting to see a naked, you know, it's just Bruce Willis and it's Christmas and yada, yada. And all of a sudden there's this man mm-hmm. fighting with invisible people in a hotel room Um and with this intensity and and it's a kind of a it seemed to me like a a great way to introduce this character because you don't know what he's up to you know you don't know who he is yet but holy crap do you don't want to mess with this dude you know this cannot be good no no no. (laughs) this this is not going to end well (laughs) and what was your favorite scene to film um in in that one what was my favorite scene the um oh god i think i I love the scene on the wing uh fighting on the wing of the plane yeah i thought i had a that was that was just a ball because you know um they had built half of a plane in in a hangar in a uh, at the soundstage at fox 
and they had snow machines going and high, these huge fans blowing. Uh, so it, it looked like we were outdoors and they had rear screen projections um, down below us. So when, you know, somebody's hanging off the edge of the plane, you can see the ground racing underneath them. Right. Oh, wow. But that's just, but it was just rear screen projections. The plane's not moving and the ground's not moving. Um, but it was, it was just fantastic. It was really, come on. That's, that, that, <laughs> I, was, I was back in my, I was back in the barn. You know, I was 10 years old again. Um, look out behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. Do you know, do you know, I'm so jealous. I'd love to be able, be able to do stuff like that. But you, you've, you've played so many roles in your career. Which role stands out for you the most, you know, the most memorable I don't know, maybe the, it's funny, they're like your children, you know, mm. but you do, I do like some of them more than others. I had, <laughs> I had, I had great fun playing Haywood in the Shawshank Redemption. Um, he's, I, I think largely because it's, it was such a good script. It was, the mm. writing was, the writing was so good. Um, and the cast, again, there was this, this ensemble of actors. Uh, I remember sitting at the dining hall table, you know, the dining hall scenes yeah. where I win all the cigarettes or, or, you know, um, anyway, but, but everywhere you looked, you know, there's James Whitmore over there and Morgan Freeman right across from you and Tim, Tim's down there, but it didn't, it was like everybody brought their A game, you know? Yeah. You and were, and, and you, you know were, what? It's were, really strange that um, that film didn't do that well in the cinema, but yet it's, it's, it's had such a cult following and, you know, yeah. it's, it's regarded as one of the best films of the 20th century. I, which is amazing, which is amazing. And, and it's funny because people were saying when it first came out, people told me, you know, Oh, it's great. It's a classic. It's a classic. And I thought, yeah, yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. Let's watch it 10 years from now. Let's see, see if it's still a classic, you know. And sure enough, it just kept growing and growing in stature. Um, an amazing thing. Frank himself, the director, Frank Darabont, we, we've talked about it since then. He's, he talks about Shawshank as catching lightning in a bottle. Mm. That, that there was, you know, that cast, those words, this, you know, this moment, this, there were so many things that could have gone other ways, uh, but didn't, you know, Tom Cruise was supposed, was interested in playing the Tim Robbins role. Um, there were lots of things that could have happened that would have made it a different movie. Yeah. Um, but no, it's perfect in in the way the way it is. It's just fantastic cast, and as you said, very good, you know, extremely good writing, and it yeah. made it what 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 it was. Um, so, who do you get recognised like role wise the most for? <laughs> you know, because you've been in loads of stuff, absolutely tons. I get I get it's funny. I get recognised for. Um, I did a I did a series called Power that I don't know if it aired in England at all, but um, 
anything you do on television gets you recognized right away. Um, you can do theater your whole life and be completely anonymous. You can do movies. And unless you're the star, unless your face is in close-up forever, you know, in movie after movie, it's hard because you see the movie, you know, in the old days anyway, you'd see the movie in the theaters and then, you know, a, two years later, you'd see the guy in another movie. Mm. Um, but when I, I did Roswell, the series Roswell, um, and all of a sudden it was, it's like you're in, you're in everybody's living room every week. And television is all about close-ups. It's all, you know, your face is right there in their kitchen or their bedroom or their living room. And they begin to, f and they feel like they know you. Um, so I guess that's the, I get recognized for Roswell. I get recognized for the deep, the Star Trek people. Um, I yeah, did deep three, space nine. three episodes of Deep Space, three, three episodes of Deep Space <laughs> Nine. And people, people still stop me on the street. No. Yeah, you don't mess with Star, Star Trek fans. They're crazy. Director in, Sloan. In, in a good way. Section, I, I was just blown away. I did a Star Trek convention in Las Vegas once. And there were people came up to me dressed in my costume from, you know, cosplayers, I guess. Yeah. Um, there were whole organizations built around Section 31 and, and the, the, the <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> I, I sort of dove in and did it and then stepped away and I was very happy to do it. I've always loved the yeah. Star Trek world. Um, but they're astonishing. Um, I'm always amazed by the amount of detail that the Trek, the Trek fans hold in their heads. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, 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 I just get lost. I, I, should, I don't even do interviews with now with people that just want to talk about Star Trek because, you know, well, were you, were you aware that the, that the Romulans and the Klingons had an agreement before this thing went you don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't remember the names of the shows I did, you know. <laughs> Bless that. you. So, so that's, that's quite, quite good that you was mentioning conventions because that's what I wanted to talk to you next about. Because do you, do, you, do you enjoy doing conventions? Do you enjoy going to meet the fans in person? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's... Well, <laughs> um, it's it's great to hear because when you do when you do movies or you do television, you shoot it, and it's very intense, and then it gets thrown out into the world, and you don't you never see how it lands. You don't see how people in Ohio are watching the movie. What do they think about it? You know, <laughs> it's, it isn't like the theater in that way. So it's great when you. You know, you, if you do one of these fan conventions and people get a chance to come up to you and say, you know, I loved you in this. And my father, my father and I, before he passed, we watched Shawshank once a week. And it was like, you, you don't know, you don't know how big a part yeah. you've played in people's lives until they get a chance to come and tell you. Um, mm. and, I mean, and that's you, very, you, very I mean, gratifying. You, 
you've been in so many hits you really have and massive movies but yet you you came across quite humble so so i came to the convention with my daughter lois and she was only four at the time and i can remember (laughs) you no you was really you know what you was really cute with her you you really were you gave her a cuddle and and um she loved it and i remember let me this is this is the picture oh i've just knocked it the picture that you oh. signed signed for me, peace, love, oh, and nice. movies. Cool, um, cool, cool. Yeah, and um, I've, I've got to say, it, it it was a fantastic encounter. Um, have you got any um, virtual comic cons planned, or were, are, are are you not interested no. in those sorts of? Not at the moment. I um, no, not at the moment. No, I don't. I'm I'm available. <laughs> I, I'm sit, I sit here in my farmhouse in upstate New York and wonder when this pandemic is going to, you know, when will do, there be a vaccine? Do you know what? I forgot to mention that Lois, my daughter, she's seven now, and ah. uh, we was watching Iron Man, um, you know, three, and you came on <laughs> the, the screen and she recognized you from when Whoa. she was four years old. She was like, I, I met him. And I was like, how do you know that? Whoa, you and it just, it just blew, it blew my mind because, Lois. you know, I, yeah, Lois, she's absolutely adorable. I've got another daughter now, uh, since, since, since then, called Cara. She's three, uh, but no more, no more. So uh, before we wrap up this, uh, <laughs> this lovely interview, what is next for you? What are you working on next? Or is it a case of you, 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 you're just putting your feet up and relaxing and enjoying life? Right. Well, right now, um, I don't have it. I don't actually have anything in the offing at the moment, um, which is, which is okay. I'm, I'm, I just finished a film, uh, that I started back in March called Shrine for Screen Gems. And, uh, and it's kind of a horror, a horror thing. And I play a, I play a priest, um, and I guess it's like an exorcist thing. There's, there's, Oh, wow. There are demons and people get killed and it's shit happens. It's a, <laughs> and, it's when is, and, when, and when is that due out? Do you know? I, is don't, it next year? I don't know. We, we, st- we had to stop shooting because of COVID and then we right. started up again. Um, and, and we just finished uh, like a month ago. So I, I'm guessing it'll be out sometime in the summer, maybe. Yeah. Um, or it'll stream somewhere. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure what they'll do with it. It's a shrine. But Keep but that should be good. Shrine. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing. Uh, I sort of picked up my songwriting, singing songwriting thing again. I've always done it. I've just always kept it in my back pocket. And I started doing this YouTube channel called The Kitchen Tapes, where. I sit in my kitchen and I play the guitar and sing songs and tell stories about, you know, working on this movie or that movie. Oh, um, wow. So it's just some, you know, something to do. Um, and that's fun. I'm, I've really been enjoying working on music with, and it, and it all has to be done virtually now. Mm. You know, I've, I've been playing and singing my whole life. Um, with other people and now all of a sudden you have to record it and send it 
someone else who puts the bass on or, you know, who sends it to someone else who adds piano. And, um, but anyway, so, the, so that's, that's sort of occupying me at the moment. That is awesome. Definitely check, check, check that out. So kitchen tables, did you say? Kitchen tapes. Kitchen, ta- kitchen tapes. Kitchen William, tapes. William Sadler, the kitchen tapes. This is like, <laughs> Bob, it's like Bob Dylan, the basement tapes. These are the kitchen tapes. And are and you playing the not as good? And are you playing the banjo at all in any of them? No, I haven't done. I haven't played the banjo in any of these tapes yet. But I'm, I, I, I'm pretty pretty sure I will. Have you ever seen the? There's a cartoon, Far Side cartoon, I think, where the devil is leading someone into a room that's filled with banjo players. Right. And the and the, and the devil says to the this guy says. Right this way, maestro. <laughs> it's like that's that's going to be your hell. Is to spend eternity in a room full of banjos. Oh, I um, like the sound of banjos. I think no, it's a I fun do, sound. I I do too. It's uh, I'm I play the guitar better than I play the banjo now. Awesome. That's coming along. That's coming along really well. And the songwriting is fun. Um, of all, I've I know it's a it sounds. It always sounds hokey to me when I hear actors, um, you know, putting out albums. I I think of William Shatner, and and it it isn't. Like, <laughs> I promise it isn't. It isn't like that. These are um, so so. Once this COVID's over, could we be expecting maybe a tour, maybe a evening with? Um, maybe that would be wow. great. That, that would be, be awesome. that would be lovely. I was sort of doing an evening with. There's a place called the Town Crier in Beacon, New York, and I was doing, you know, uh, an evening of my songs with a live audience. But you can't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, when it once you know once there's a vaccine, once we're safe to get together again, that'd be lovely. That would be awesome. And uh, Bill, one last question before we wrap this up. Uh, what? Yes, only one last. This question divides many. And it divides me and all my friends. Uh, Die Hard 1 and 2, would yeah. you class that as a Christmas movie? I, I've always thought that was pretty ironic that Christmas is a time of, you know, joy and happiness and what have you, you know, and gingerbread. And, uh, I've never really associated it with automatic weapons and crashing planes, to, but uh, it is apparent they are apparently Christmas movies now. They're official. You, <laughs> there you go. You know, there you can't you go. have straight from Bill's mouth. The you, Christmas movies. You, you can't have Christmas without the Die Hard. Exactly. The, the Die Hard. You know. When the weather outside is frightful, you know, when that plays at the end for me, that's, 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 you know. I know, I know, I know. And that is Bill's, awesome. Bill, Bill's naked butt. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, right, Bill, thank you so much for the opportunity to have a chat with you. It was a pleasure. Um, and I hope you all the best. And uh, as, as I, I, I suppose in these times we're in at the moment, it's time for us to get creative and, and be t- 
kind to everyone else around us because obviously you know it's not a nice place to be but i hope this interview has brought a smile to uh, many people's faces and to their ears so i hope so thank you this is a great time to be excellent to each other exactly be more super that's what it's we will all get, about we will get through this <laughs> we gotta okay. hang together exactly thank you You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. In my world, it means hope.